All right, this is Gary Parrish from CBSSports.com. Again, it's now Friday, February 27th, and this is, of course, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined uh, for this edition, as usual, on Friday by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini. And I, I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time uh, discussing the Chris Jones situation today because, A, he's now a former college basketball player, so whatever, and B... Um, I feel like we've opened like 45 straight podcasts talking about Chris <laughs> <Yeah>. Jones. <laughs> that said, I, I will say this. The idea that Chris Jones could um, A, be suspended for, among other things, sending a threatening text message to a female, B, uh, be reinstated after agreeing to, among other things, a 9 p.m. curfew, C, play against Miami and spend the postgame. Uh, explaining to everybody how he was wrong for embarrassing himself, his family, his coaches, his program, his school, say he was sorry, uh, explain how he's aware he needs to be better, and then D, blow curfew literally just a few hours later is insane to me. Like, regardless of, you know, what did or did not happen after midnight, uh, regardless of, of whether he's a man who is a monster who raped or a man who has been falsely accused of a serious crime, the idea that he'd blow that curfew off by at least three hours, literally the same day he played his first game after the curfew was installed, is just about the dumbest thing I can remember a high-profile player doing. I mean, how little do you have to value um, you know, an opportunity to throw one away like that? So if Chris Jones is guilty of this crime, uh, let me be clear. I, I hope he's convicted, and I hope he's in prison for a long time. If he's not... Um, I hope he's acquitted and somehow able to overcome this, you know, just undeniable reputation killer. Either way, I'll, I will never understand how you can sit in the locker room, say the things he said on Saturday afternoon, then blow off your new curfew and put yourself, uh, if nothing else, in a position to even be accused of what he was accused of doing. It is just insanity to me the entire um, lead up to whatever happened or did not happen. Anyway, Norlander, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, we can kind of hit this quickly and then get to other matters. Um, but one, um, Patino explaining how he found out about the situation almost came off like a godfatherish, and that they were at dinner together, and he asked him if he was out. And Patino's, Patino just you know was saying you are off this basketball team. Like immediately, did not know what happened when he found yeah. out Jones broke curfew. Right then and there, he was done. Jones left the table. Like you can, you can just hear the Godfather theme playing in the background. Um, it is remarkable that this happens. Um, you kind of get an insight into how coaches lose their hair and go gray early because stuff like this can happen. Just in terms of having players commit just on the forget about don't forget about it but just put aside the horrific allegations just you ask players not to do stuff they break rules they break them repeatedly donovan has faced this in regard to you know obviously some drug issues with a number of players and patino has as well he admitted as such they've had marijuana issues and they continue to break them and it's just amazing that this just goes on and on and it happens at a lot of programs in varying levels of um you know in terms of worsening uh, effects, generally speaking. Um, for, for Jones, listen, he's out of school, not in classes, living in a hotel. His lawyer says there's video out there that will help Jones's case in regard to all this. We'll see. 
we don't really have a timeline on this, but we do know that in, in terms of Chris Jones playing basketball, uh, that is just not even. Whereas we discussed this on previous podcasts and and what might come, I mean, that is way down the road at this point. So, oh, it was literally Monday, and we were discussing like if he can find a basketball future. Now we're just wondering if he's not going to spend you know the next decade yeah. in jail. Exactly. So it's an awful situation. There are two other men involved. I will say that there are three women that have accused Chris Jones or gone to authorities regarding different matters in recent weeks. Um, one being the text message, you know, that he allegedly sent that was threatening in nature. Um, and even that, like, you know, this isn't apples to apples, but, you know, this is the post Ray Rice world and just sending those kind of text messages. And then you've got this. I mean, it's just an awful awful thing and there should be no you know no toleration for any kind of this you know this sort of behavior so it's it's a bad look for him for college hoops overall but he is off the sport Louisville's got other matters to tend to now and you know we'll maybe this at some point this summer we'll have some sort of update on this um got a big weekend coming up Arkansas uh, at Kentucky Northern Iowa at Wichita State Arizona at Utah Texas at Kansas West Virginia at Baylor uh, we're going to get to most of that, if not all of that. But first, um, Sam, what did you make of Kevin Stallings getting caught flipping out on one of his players last night? Yeah, that was really weird. I uh, went out for Indian food with my girlfriend. Congratulations. Uh, well, I, love, was covering... I love me some Indian food. There you go. Yeah, I got some chicken tikka masala and uh, went out with my roommate and my girlfriend, came back and saw that Norlander had posted about Kevin Stallings say, saying he will effing kill someone. <laughs> um, I I was shocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I think I, I hope we don't make a bigger deal out of it than it is. Um, I think it's just like a heat of the moment thing. He's not actually going to kill uh, what, what's the kid's name? Wade Baldwin, right? Yeah. yeah. No, uh, I don't think anybody actually believes yeah. Kevin Stallings was planning to <laughs> murder uh, one of his players. But um, still, just a weird thing to hear. And like when you Very see his, weird. when you see his face, like now uh, for people who don't understand the story or, or don't know the story at all. So uh, Vanderbilt beats Tennessee, and apparently the Vanderbilt player was taunting uh, one of the. And Tennessee. he was. And he like, was right. If you, it's not like over the top. But it's like it's it's smarmy and it's enough where you can see like he's needling them. Right. So Stallings like is is furious about this. So I think the root of the issue, a coach getting on one of his players for poor sportsmanship after a win over a rival. Like I'm I'm good with all of that. It's just the actual words that he chose um, seem a little. They're just they seem like bizarre. Well, words. okay. I yeah. mean, here's my deal. So this happens, right? First of all. I, uh, you know, I was watching. I was watching the games. I was seeing a white and gold dress that everyone was seeing was black and blue, and my world was just upside down. And then, like two hours later, Sports Center leads with this, and Goodman's on TV talking about it. Guys, I, I don't know if it, if the the video was delayed in coming out, but I'll cop to not even recognizing this as an event that happened until two hours after the game ended. Okay, and I watched the video. And it's bad optics because the camera catches Stallings in a moment of rage. Just it's his tone. But also, if you, if you hear what he says, he's like, we don't do that. Like, he's just he's scolding the player. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this suddenly becomes a thing. Right. And I'm thinking I got to I got to write a story on this and I really don't want to. But I get why I have to. This happens every night in college basketball. 
but it's yeah. in the privacy of a huddle when there's music blaring in an arena. It happens in the privacy of a locker room when a team is down seven. It happens in, I mean, like the things we have seen and heard in practices, this is so calm by comparison, not to mention the fact that the phrase itself, I'm going to kill you, it, no one takes it literally outside of a Breaking Bad episode, okay? Yeah. So I don't have too much of a of a knee-jerk reaction in terms of stalling, needing any sort of discipline. Yes, he apologized. That was the right thing to do. No, you don't want to be going off on your player publicly like that right there and then because what happened was Stallings didn't even see it. A Tennessee assistant said, hey, man, just to let you know, your guy, he was really giving it to our guys, and that's just not a cool thing. So I understand the reaction, um, but really in the general in the general sense, Kevin Stallings is not Bob Knight, and this does not need any sort of, you know, larger think piece or, or cultural discussion on college basketball coaches, the way they act, and if there's any sort of grand change needed. We should be discussing well, it because it's something that happened, well, but this is not a massive deal. Well, let me let me put it to you this way. Um, the difference here is clear. It was caught on tape, and we see his face, and we hear the words. Like, his face, he looks like a madman. And the words are, was it, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to effing kill you? I'll effing kill you. I'll effing kill you. Okay, so you look at his face, you hear the words, I'll effing kill you, directed at a student athlete. We don't usually see that. I'm not suggesting that stuff similar isn't said all the time, um, but we don't usually see it. It's a bad look. Like when I saw it, I was like, whoa. And I've been in all the practices. I've seen all the stuff. Here's what I would say. If the counter to that being a big deal is, yo, this happens all the time in huddles and practices, I'll ask the question, like, should it happen all the time? Like, should adults be talking to other adults like that? Like, I remember having this conversation after the Adrian Peterson stuff, because I grew up in the South and I was, you know, very much a part of the, um, you know, spanking as a kid culture. Like, I, like when, when the story comes out, and I don't, I don't know how you guys grew up, but when the story comes out, you know, Adrian Peterson got a switch and used it on his kid. Like, I I was a part of that. Like, I can remember my grandmother making me go outside and get a switch. Keep in mind, I grew up in the South. And so, like, that was not a weird story to me. But the more and more I started thinking about it, I was like, like, why do we... Okay, if it, even if it's acceptable to some, and it clearly is acceptable to some, to, like, take a belt and beat a kid or take a switch and beat a kid, why is that? Why are we beating kids? Like, we would never beat adults. We wouldn't beat, you know, our our brothers. We wouldn't beat our colleagues. Like, what? Where did we come up with this idea that it's okay to take a belt and beat a child? Like, it's, like, when you just... Hey, I, get what, I get what you're saying. Sam. Okay, so, like... so where did we get come up with this idea where it's okay for... For people like, and not just Kevin Stallings, John Calipari, uh, Bill Self, Tom Crean, Tom Izzo, where did we come up with this idea where it is okay for a man to yell at another man like that in your face? It wouldn't be okay for a professor to yell at a biology student. It would be okay in any other setting other than a basketball court. And I'm not saying let's ban it. Like I think I'm over all my let's ban stuff for the you week. Yeah, you're on. No, you're on it. This is this is the the Gary week of ban everything. Yeah, right? no, no, no. I'm not going there. I'm just wondering. Like, is it weird to anybody else that you can yell at another um, at another adult? I'm going to effing kill you, and that just and and that and that. Most of us will sit there and go, yeah, no big deal. Like, is is that weird that, that that's um, the way we interpret that? I, I mean, okay, I see where you're coming from. And, and to a degree, yes. I mean, there are there are varying levels of this. Um, you know, I definitely think there's a leap between 
abusing children and yelling and admonishing a 19-year-old I don't know. No, I'm not trying to compare the two. Let me be clear. I'm just trying to say that they are both things that are widely accepted by a significant portion of the population. And when you take a step back and ask the question, why is that okay? I I think you get some interesting answers. Okay. Um, Yeah. Um, You make a solid point. Uh, It's not that we should necessarily accept it um but i i would judge stallings more off of his track record to this point baldwin apparently has been uh a challenge to coach this year and has had some disciplinary issues reportedly um so this might have simply been a moment where he lost his cool um it's a rivalry game it's a bad look for his team and his program. stallings knows he's had some issues with the kid and he's just absolutely finally had it should we accept coaches saying i'll kill you in a in a heat of the moment kind of deal i don't know i mean i'm not for coaches in any way uh let let me frame it a different way forget coaches and basketball players and, and forget kevin stalling i'm not even talking about him i'm just talking about this very basic thing adults yelling at other adults in that form being widely accepted why is that okay like how about this if we saw video today some like uh surveillance camera at vanderbilt in a lecture hall and there's this kid who's been a problem all semester and um, won't stop talking in class, won't stop acting like an idiot. And finally the professor like points at him, yells at him, I will effing kill you. Like nobody would say, wow, that's, that's okay. Like the kid's been a, been a jerk all class. Like I get it. Heat of the moment, whatever. Like, I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not pretending that it doesn't happen all the time. I'm just wondering where did we decide that it's okay for that to happen all the time? I notice it all the time, too. Like, coaches like yelling at officials, like yelling, like in a way that you wouldn't yell at your enemy. Like, if you walked in and found a guy sleeping with your girlfriend, you wouldn't, it might be, it might be the way you yell at it. I I just want this. Yeah, Yeah, the whole thing is just kind of weird to me. Like, where do we decide it's okay? to just yell at people because we wouldn't do it. Like if you got into an art, like if there was a issue in any other aspect of your, of, of life, you probably wouldn't handle it the way coaches handle every issue with an official or the way coaches handle every issue with a player. It's just sort of, I don't, I don't even know what's right or wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just highlighting the contrast and curious. Where did we decide this is acceptable? Sam. I don't, I don't know where we decided it's acceptable. I think that, Keeping it in mind whenever uh, we're trying to compare it to like a professor is that college basketball teams spend a lot more time together than, you know, like a student class does with a professor. Okay, fine then. It's a, so, let's say it's a job then, a guy who works a 40-hour-a-week well, job. Well, I was, I was thinking of it pizza like – Pizza delivery uh, guy, 19-year-old pizza delivery guy, been late on deliveries, acting like a jerk, walks into Pizza Hut – the manager says, I will effing kill you. I can actually see that happening. <laughs> yeah, I can actually see that yeah, happening too. <laughs> but like I'm saying, like, w- would that be something that might get the manager in trouble? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just bouncing I mean, yeah, this off of you. See, see, here's the thing. Like, I can't, I can't envision a circumstance where m- me, myself, would ever say something like that to another human being. That's because you, know you don't have I mean? kids. It's because you don't have kids. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. A lot <laughs> of these, if, if you're going to compare it to, like, you don't have kids, like, you no, know, No, I'm you joking. Kids, Okay. But still, like, I think that's the way that a lot of these coaches think of it with these, uh, you know, kids that they're coaching. They think of themselves as a father figure. And, you know, some some coaches are a little bit more intense and they get a little bit more worried about uh, what's going on. So it, it's just it's it's hard to really, like, say 
what's wrong here. I, I mean, I, I don't know where the line is, I guess, is my point. And I, I don't think what Stallings did is right. And I, I think it's good that he apologized, but I also don't know that I would make a big deal out of it either. It's, it, it's just really hard for me to find that line, I guess. How about this? How old are you, Sam? I am 24. Okay, so you are still basically college age. Like, if you you could theoretically be a college basketball player if you like did a year of prep school and then went on a. Rakeem uh, Christmas, I think, is less than a year younger than I okay, am. Okay, fine. So you're basically Rakeem Christmas, just shorter. Yeah. And 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 uh, although you are just as eligible for the postseason, just yes. as eligible. Okay. That is correct. What if you were at your buddy's house, who's the same age as you, and your buddy was being, you know, like just doing dumb stuff. And your buddy's dad walked in, got in his face, pointed a finger, and said, I will effing kill you at your buddy. How would that strike you? Oh, it would be very awkward. Okay, so me. then why? Do, why? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's my point. It would be the most awkward thing in the world, and yet we see it on TV with a basketball coach and a basketball player, and we say, hey, you know, what are you going to do? It's just, uh, that's the way it works. I, that's, all, that's my only point. No, that, I, I think you bring up a really good point. Um, I, I just don't know where the line is and where to remedy remedy it. I think your point is definitely correct and accurate and that these coaches get a lot of, they get a lot of rope to do and act like mad men in a way, <laughs> in a way that regular society wouldn't at least, I don't know if mad men's right, but you know, they act in a way that regular society people would not act. And I, I don't know why it's okay. I mean, I, I guess there's the idea that students signed up to be with this coach under the, I mean, typically you know what kind of guy a coach is whenever you're signing up for a scholarship to play for him. I, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I, I get it. I'm not trying to say we should outlaw it or like co- coaches should be suspended for yelling and cussing and pointing. It's just sort yeah. of a weird thing to me. And no, best I can tell, in no other normal aspect of life is it ex- is it widely acceptable for a for a man to point and yell and cuss and scream at another man. And yet in sports, it is all, it is it is undeniably acceptable. Like like d- nobody's mad at Kevin Stallings. I'm not mad at Kevin Stallings. I'm just yeah, no. I, I'm just sort of talking like big picture here. Like where where else is this accepted as just sort of the way we do things? I can't really think of anywhere else. Yeah, I can't off the top of my head either. And perhaps that's, perhaps that's because nothing compares to sports. Like maybe that's the answer. I don't yeah. know. But I, I just I I I found that. Interesting, like an interesting sort of thing. As you see um, coaches just constantly yelling, like in the face, yelling at officials, and coaches just constantly in the fa- face yelling at players. Like that moment we saw last night. I, 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 If you start trying to think of other aspects of life where that, that actual scene is sort of shrugged off, you can't find it. Like you can't find, at least I can't find it, other aspects of life. Like how about this? Remember the, who's the dude that played Batman? Christian well, Bale. Okay. So oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Val Kilmer. Oh no, no, no! It's Christian Bale. Christian Norlander. Bale. Shut up, <laughs> Val Kilmer. It's Christian Bale. Okay. So you remember that that audio that came out of him like going nuts on a set? He has like multiple of them. Yeah. Okay. Right. You remember how big of a deal that was? Um. Yes. People were like, "Man, this guy is bananas. This guy's crazy." Christian Bale's a lunatic. That's what happens in college basketball, as as you guys put it. Every practice, every huddle. Like, why is one crazy and a lunatic and one's just like, hey, it's part of the game? There's yeah. no real answer, is there? You bring no, up I don't. Some good, you bring yeah, up some you definitely good bring up a good point, yeah. All right, let's move on. I, 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 I do think <laughs> that part of it is, though, that these students did sign up for it in a way. I think that's the same thing, an abuse of uh, somebody trying to uh, defend an abusive relationship. <laughs> <with Sam>. Okay. <laughs> I don't. 
agree with that, but okay. I'm joking around. Okay. <laughs> okay, the weekend schedule, Arkansas, Kentucky, Northern Iowa, Wichita State, Arizona, Utah. What's the biggest game, Norlander? Oh, boy. Uh, the one you're going to be at, I think, is the biggest game. Uh, one, because it's intriguing. You just don't usually get a val- – like, when Creighton was there, the Valley had some some interesting games, don't get me wrong, but they didn't have two teams in the top 15 uh, going at each other um, in this kind of way, you know, end of the season. And it's intriguing from the Northern Iowa side because I, I think Northern Iowa is a Final Four sleeper kind of team because of the – the roster they have, Seth Tuttle is really good, but their backcourt's very, very dynamic. Very good defensive team overall. They're a team you should consider if they get the right matchups to go there. Uh, and they also haven't lost since they opened their league season back on January 1 at Evansville. So they could actually bookend their MVC with losses but win everyone in between. We'll see. I'll, ultimately, I'm going to like Northern Iowa's outlook no matter what happens here. And even in the Valley Tournament, I, I have a hard time. Uh, unless they really got a bad matchup, not picking them to make a Sweet 16. Wichita State, however, to me is really intriguing because we've, in my opinion, we've now reached a point with Wichita State where last year they had all the haters, obviously. Um, This year they've been accepted as a legitimate top 15 team because they brought back Baker and Van Vliet, and they are a good team, um, but they're not going to be seated as a top 15 team if they don't win this game. Their schedule lacks a lot of impressive wins. They, I mean, they beat Memphis, not going to the tournament. Best Tulsa, win's Tulsa. Tulsa. I mean, the Seton Hall loss looks so much worse now than it did then. That's all they have out of conference. In conference, their best win is at Illinois State. So Wichita State, I, if you were looking for a worst-case scenario, reasonably, it would be losing this game and then losing to either in the semis or in the final to you and I. Uh, and in that case, I actually think they'd be about a 10, which might shock some people. But when you look at their, at their schedule this year, when you don't have that undefeated record, you really are, are chancing uh, kind of getting screwed over, relatively speaking, on seeding. So that's why I think it's massive for the Shockers, who I do think will win. Uh, but even with a win, if they don't win the Valley Tournament, I, I would have a hard time seeding them higher than fifth. So Jerry Palm brought up an interesting point the other day that I had no idea. I'd never heard of, but like I'm not a bracketologist, so he should know know things that I've never heard of. Um, If Tulsa were to like slip, and and that's certainly reasonable. In fact, I'll predict Mm -hmm. it. I think Tulsa is going to slip. They're an 11 seed right now. I I don't think Tulsa is going to make the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to win the conference tournament. I don't think if like they've still got to go to SMU. That means they would take another loss at some point in the conference tournament. I, I don't think Tulsa will get in. Often. I agree. Okay. Yeah. If Tulsa misses the NCAA tournament and Wichita State were to lose to Northern Iowa Saturday and then, you know, and then lose to Northern Iowa again in the NBC tournament or lose before they get to play Northern Iowa again, Wichita State would on Selection Sunday be sitting with zero victories over at-large teams to the NCAA tournament. That, they would have zero. And only one time in the past 21 years has a team been given been you know give, been given an at-large bid without at least one victory over another team. Yeah, it's Oklahoma. An at-large bid. That right. Oklahoma team. Okay, right. So like, I I, I still think com- I don't even know if it's common sense, but I still think there would be like in the room somebody would maybe point that out, and then somebody else would say. It's Greg Marshall, Fred Van Vliet, Ron Baker, shut up. Like, they're going to be in the tournament, and then they'd get in the tournament. But I do think that, you know, they'd pop up. Greg Gumbel would 
you know, announced them as a 10 seed and people would go, what? And, yeah. and yet that's what the resume, there's just, I, I'm sympathetic because mm-hmm. there's nothing they could do about it, but there, there's not a whole lot on that resume. The best win's Tulsa. After that, it's Seton Hall. Yeah. They got to win. Right. I mean, Sam, yes. do you th- Sam, do you think they're going to win? I think they're going to win a like six to eight points, but a close one and maybe pull away sort of late. Yeah, I would say it's going to be within five. I think that they're going. To, I think if you made me predict, they're going to win, which makes yes, me that's what I'm getting at. Whether in Iowa, um, but I think their best performance this year might be on the road at Utah. Like, and they ended up losing that game by one in overtime, like in a crazy game. Um, so yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that they're going to be a team that when you look at it on Selection Sunday, they're going to pop up as like a nine to eleven seed if they don't win this game, and it's going to be really, really weird. So. I would go with Wichita State in this game just because, you know, I, I can't think of the last time they lost at home in the Coke Center, uh, you know, or the Coke Arena, I guess it is. Um, they're just really, really good there. Um, and their defense is going to be really, really good. I think that Marshall's going to get them ready to go. Uh, and what are, do we know? Do we have a line on that yet? We don't, but I'll tell you right now, Ken Palm has it at a three-point Wichita win. So it'll probably be three, two-and-a-half from Vegas when the line comes out. And yeah. by the way— I would if, say that's if, about what I would say. Wichita I tell you, um, if Northern Iowa does win this and it, it runs the table in the Valley Tournament, give you and I a three. Uh, that's more than fair, in my opinion. Their only losses in double OT at VCU, on the road by three to Evansville. That's if they ran the table— um, Stephen F. Austin will probably make the tournament. Um, Iowa will be in the tournament. You know, I'm kind of talking through this. I feel like they should be a three, but now that I look at it, they'll probably be a four. The Evansville's lack- also not like a disaster loss. That's They're not a disaster. Team. But it's not a good I, loss. I, I would love it if they were a three, disaster. but I'm just trying, like, if it was me, I would put them as a three. But now that I'm looking at it and I know the other teams are gonna be ch- that are going to be charging for threes, I feel like actually their best case scenario would be a four just because they don't quite have enough non-conference wins um, or strength of schedule to warrant a three. This is where I struggle with it. When there's teams that are undeniably good, like the computers love them, your eyeballs love them, they've run through their schedule, and yet they don't have the same number of top 25 wins, top 50 wins, top 100 wins as, say, a Big 12 score, an ACC school. Yeah. And it's strictly because they don't play in the Big 12 or the ACC. Like they yeah, just I can't, I, This is where I never mind if you overseed them. Like if you say, I totally uh, agree, and there yeah. are probably people that are yelling at us for talking about both sides of our mouth in regard to Gonzaga because Gonzaga is kind of in the same situation. But I'm with you, GP, here. I definitely am in favor of overseeding here. And just in terms of when you watch the teams, the eye tests, if it – if they're really good in a year and, the, and their league is kind of holding them back, I've got no issue whatsoever in kind of overseeding them. It just comes back to the eternal debate of reward versus you know who you've beaten versus who you actually really are. I got that. I just I am fundamentally against punishing people based on league affiliation. Like if you if you if you don't have top fifty wins because you lost to a bunch of top fifty teams, then I you know I got no sympathy for you. You you had opportunities and you blew them. But if you just didn't have the opportunities because um, you know, 50 years ago, somebody decided you're going to be in the MVC as opposed to the Big Ten. Well, you know, like that to me, that's that's unfair. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that there's an an obvious way to like balance all of that. It's very subjective and two reasonable people could see it reason, you know, different ways. But um, I, I if Northern Iowa popped up as a, you know, particularly if Northern Iowa won at Wichita and then won the MVC and somebody said Northern Iowa two seed. 
I wouldn't even argue with that. Like, I know they wouldn't have the top 50 wins to back it up. Like, they wouldn't be able to compare top 50 wins with, say, Kansas. But I would say, hey, they, they, they were never going to be able to compare top 50 wins with Kansas because they don't play in yeah. the Big 12. You know, I, I could – that's one where I could go to bat for them. I, I, when you blow your opportunities, you blow your opportunities. But when you don't get them – based on league affiliation and you still prove to be awesome from start to finish, I'm okay with overseeding you relative to the resume you can actually present on uh, selection Sunday, Sam, Arkansas at Kentucky Wildcats had any sort of risk this weekend. Uh, I don't think they have. Oh, I, Oh, risk. I thought you said, or they're going to be able to rest this weekend. I don't think they're going to be able to rest. <laughs> I think that, I think Arkansas is really good. Um, but I, I, I don't think they're really at any sort of, risk i would say because they're at home um give me I, the I can't hogs. See them. what give me the hogs you're picking arkansas to win the game at rupp arena yeah. yeah you realize john calipari's record at rupp arena is like 149 and one i think it's like 101 and four but yeah just uh give me arkansas what? Why do you do this? You sound like the guy who wants to put somebody other than Jaleel Okafor at the top of a mock. No! Like, you're Listen, just doing Arkansas it to do it. a good team. Like, can we not have a little bit of fun? I mean, they're a good team. I'm, I, I I'm think... for fun, but not at the expense of stupidity. Nah, you just you just love Calipari and Kentucky, man. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, Listen, like, I, I will say this. Listen, like, here's the thing. If Kentucky they was playing at Bubba, run, if, they can run with Kentucky. They've got decent offense, decent to good offense. Uh, you know, Portis and Qualls are such quality players. Um, Love Kentucky Ford. will be up for this game. I'm expecting a, a tremendous, terrific game. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say Arkansas by two. That's all. If this was at Bo Walton Arena, I would absolutely pick Arkansas to win the game. I just don't see how they can go to Rupp and do it. Now, while recognizing Ole Miss took them to overtime at Rupp, so whatever. But yeah, and like yeah, yeah but here's what I would Columbia say. Columbia led that. at halftime at Rupp. I'm, you know, it's, Here, here's it's what I would say to that. And weird. Kentucky, like a midweek game against Ole Miss, like whatever. You not you like you don't go into it thinking you're gonna have to play to win. They're very aware. Like I mean, they it's been so long since they played a nationally ranked team. Like you gotta think they're gonna be ready to go. You know, like they'll yeah. be ready to go. The building will be on fire. I, I just don't think. I, I think to the extent that Ole Miss benefited from playing Kentucky, I think Ole Miss benefited from Kentucky not taking them seriously from the opening tip. Same thing with Texas A&M. I don't think this is going to be a scenario where they're not taking Arkansas seriously from the opening tip. Combine that with 50,000 fans inside Rupp Arena. I... Yeah, but all right. So here's the only way. The only thing I counter with that, GP, is that like once you get to February and you haven't lost, like every single game, the players know what's you know at stake, so to speak. They've been dealing with the media and having these questions. So even though these teams aren't as good, and, and, I, and I would agree that on a on a minuscule level, they might not take certain teams as seriously as really good teams. I, I don't feel like they'll be any less up for um, you know the Mississippi State game on the road or Tennessee on the road than they will here at Arkansas at home. I, I feel like they, they're they're locked in, and it's it's more about the opponents than it is Kentucky. No, I disagree I with, that. with that because like you no. still think you can just cakewalk and beat Mississippi State, regardless of what the stakes actually are. You think that hey, it's it's still Mississippi State will be fine. I think they know they got to play tomorrow. I think they know they got to play, and okay. and I, I I think they'll win by double digits. All right. I don't know if I would go that far, but I think they're going to win. Here here's another question actually that I have for you guys. Do you how do you think is the best way to beat Kentucky? Do you think it's a fast team like an Arkansas or an LSU, or do you think it's you slow them yeah. down? No, I limit possessions and make twelve three. That's what I think. I think you have to limit possessions. 
and you're going to want like a Virginia or a Wisconsin, I yeah. think have the best chance to beat them. But Arkansas has like the fifth fastest. Uh, I would run. I, I would. Uh, I know they're deep, um, but I would run them and work the bigs. And I, you, you'd have to run and gun, really. Um, you have to hit threes, no doubt about it. You have to have a lucky yeah. night from three, and you have to hope Kentucky does not have a good shooting night, which they often don't. Um, but I would. I, the thing with limiting possessions is it's. It, it, it you can do it that way, but in my opinion, you're you're much more touch and go in, in that kind of situation, and you're squeezing it a lot more. Whereas if you really run at them, it's more it's more like a hard first punch, and if you keep going and keep going, you might stand to have a better a bit better of a chance. So I think we disagree in that regard. I would um, when I've got to go up against uh, the best defense in the country, I would want to not go up against it as many possessions as I didn't have to. And so uh, limit the opportunities they get to play me on that end of the court and then try to make 12 three-pointers and see if you can win it in the 60s. That, to me, that's the way to do it. I, I don't know that yeah, there's, a, there's not that. a great way to do it. Like, they have to, contri- no. they have to contribute to it. Like, you're not just going to beat them. This is the thing that I hear most from coaches who have played Kentucky. You're not – like, you can have the best game plan and you can play well. Uh, you know, maybe Duke can, can beat them, like beat them. You know, like play, like even if Kentucky plays, and Wisconsin can maybe beat them, even right. if Kentucky plays. But for the most part, I mean, we're talking about a very small handful of teams that can actually line up and say, "Let's go." Um, other short of that, like the other 347 teams in the country, um, you have to play. You have to have a great game plan. You have to execute the game plan. You have to play really, really well, probably above your heads, and then they have to not show up. They have to contribute to their own mm-hmm. loss. Otherwise, they're not losing. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that there's also just the idea that limiting possessions will lead to greater variance, like just uh, more variable outcomes because you're going to have fewer sure. opportunities up and down the court for Kentucky to score you to score on Kentucky. And I think that that's actually a better way to. I, I, yeah, beat I Kentucky. mean, I hear you. Um, I also would just love to see that kind of game because, you know, they did lose. But this, and it was not the same roster, uh, but Wichita State definitely opted to run with Kentucky in last year's tournament, and that was the best freaking game of the year. So yeah, I would remind you yeah. that last year's Kentucky team wasn't nearly as good as this year's Kentucky team. Oh, yeah, team. I know. I know that. Yeah. I'm aware of that. But I'm just saying, generally speaking, if an, if an upset's going to happen, I, I, you know, I think you guys would agree. I, I'd love to see a team just really try and beat Kentucky at that kind of game, um, even mm-hmm. if great chance oh it'd be fun to watch yeah. i i uh i look forward to turning on the television and watching that one from wichita kansas in one form or another okay uh before we get out of here norlander has picked arkansas over kentucky inside rupp arena <laughs> sam do, do you have your awesome pick of the weekend oh my awesome pick of the weekend dear god did you hit last um, week's or no i can't remember i actually did hit last week congratulations i did i missed one earlier this week though i missed all of them <laughs> i miss them all every night what, wait, what is last call for drunk bets now while I'm trying to figure out what terrible advice I want to give you? Tonight? What will it be tonight? Friday night? I'm no, gonna... uh, what, like, what is your oh, record? I think I'm four games under 500. Four games under? Yeah, I can't, but no, I, how, about, how about Nova and Xavier? Nova and Xavier, you give an X a chance? Um, oh, I, I would yeah. pick Villanova in that game. They have a chance, though. Yeah, they have a chance for sure. I, I would pick Villanova, but Xavier's been pretty good at home this year. Uh, the road... Road's been their problem. I want to say that they're like something absurd, like two and ten, or like something like that, three and ten on the road yeah. this year. Xavier um, needs that just to feel comfortable. Nova needs it to remain in the one seed conversation. So, yes, uh, I mean I think that Villanova can drop this game, and then win out, and maybe get a one still. Sure, I do too. 
But um, I think Villanova is just playing way too well right now. They wiped the floor with a good Providence team on Tuesday. Yeah. Like they, they absolutely just dominated them like from start to finish. And in every facet of the game, they forced turnovers. They forced a poor uh, field goal percentage. They made a ton of threes. Like, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know how you beat this Villanova team, I guess is my point. I guess you attack them inside, but you put, you, you put on, good, you put on Kentucky but, uniforms. That's right. Well, yeah. And that would That's be right. the way to do it. Hey, Norlander picked Arkansas, Kentucky. You want to pick Texas at Kansas? And we'll try to get Bill Self and John Calipari to lose at the at home on the same day? <laughs> I will pick. I'll pick Villanova to win, and I will definitely pick Kansas to beat Texas. <laughs> um, that, yeah, hey, let's don't... get to well, Listen, we don't have to spend, like, even two minutes on this, but I'm seeing a white and gold dress, and for the record, I need, I need your answers to what color the dress is. Uh, white and gold. Like, I don't even understand. This is the most confusing thing I've ever, I've ever been yeah. through in my entire life. Yeah, I don't man. understand how anybody sees black and uh, Oh, no. I, I tweeted out last night, like, I, I could not believe. I thought people were just, like, messing with other people on the internet. Well, what like, do you see? Regarding this. It's white and gold. I agree. Okay. Yeah, well, here's, the, here's real quick. So I see this happening, and I think it's, like, some sort of, like, deep, dark internet hoax, right? And I'm, like, not in on the joke. And I just go to my wife, yeah. and she's watching TV. I'm like, what colors do you see here? And she goes, black and blue. And it was a freaking revelation. I was like, <laughs> I did what that with in the world yeah, are you talking about? No. Um, yep. It's totally fascinating. And uh, But anyway, yeah, Team White and Gold. And, and White I th- and Gold. What I need to know is I need to see someone wearing the dress in real life and not a photo. And whatever the dress is there, that's the color. No, it's, no, I, we've been through that. I've done all the research. The dress is black and blue. Yeah. No. When I look at that dress, I don't see any black. I don't see any blue. It is white and gold. Like, I, seriously, I've never been through this. I, I tweeted out earlier today. Uh, I found a picture of Justin Bieber in a white tank top with a gold chain. I, I think for the first time ever, I'm considering whether Justin Bieber is actually white. He might be black and blue. <laughs> okay. What if, what if we find out <laughs> Justin Bieber is black and blue and this whole time our eyes are just messing with us? Have you thought about that yet? <laughs> I have not thought all the consequences through, but the universe is definitely a lie. My head's hurting after all of that gold dress thing. I couldn't even make sense of it. All right, subscribe to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. It's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest edition. Make sure you do that. Enjoy your weekend, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Goodbye.